Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> With cancer, I'm Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer under 40? Suck, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, we're really excited about this, a really special tribute remembering pop singer Rich Cronin. Joining us is Melissa Holland, partner at Cronin and & Holland, and she's Executive Vice President and CEO of Orange Freeze Entertainment, Executive Director of the Rich Cronin Hope Foundation. She was Rich Cronin's manager, and we're thrilled to have her in studio, as we are with Cassandra Cronin, who will be calling in, brief sister of Rich, Holland, of Rich Cronin and co-founder of the Rich Cronin Hope Foundation. And kicking it all off in our Survivor Spotlight is Kelly Mordon, young adult survivor of brain cancer and regional chair I2Y Buffalo. As a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Online at I2Y.com, we help young adults fight cancer every single day, and we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight, where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So hello, my friends, and welcome back. Yet another funful and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. And a Stupid Cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. And, of course, please welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, as always, our Chief Cancer Anarchist and Vice President of Grassroots Programming, Mr. Dr. Reverend Super. Jack Buffard. Esquire. Esquire. How's it going? Hi, Jack. Doctor of Osteopathy. D.O. D.O. what? MSW? No, I'm not. We do this every show. KGB, I don't know. KGB works. M15. Ooh, nice. No, no, no. M15 was the lounge that we had our OMG cocktail party Oh, no. What's the British Secret Intelligence? It is. Is it MI5? MI5. Yeah, MI5. Not M15. Right. We're going international now. We're doing... All right. Anyway. 
So anyway, nice to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. We'd like to um, obviously extend our uh, hellos to Amanda Freeman, who couldn't be here. She's still finishing up her treatments. and um, We love her. We love her to death. She will be back very soon. Um, we always uh, try to post on her Facebook wall as often as possible. Just to let her know that we do think of her, and, and uh, we miss her very much. So sending you the best. Despite what she's going through, she's looking good. And it's not MI5, it's MI6, as was just pointed yeah. out by Ann Kramer in the chat room. Well, Ann Kramer thinks she knows everything, so we'll go with that. All right, we'll go we with that. We have to rely on the chat, the chat room and the listeners to set us straight. We rarely get things right. No. <laughs> I, I, I stand uncorrected. <laughs> yeah, because if it weren't for the chat room, I would think that nobody out there hated me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a full crowd here tonight, a full stock. I mean, Carl Sagan used to say, what good is there not being other planets that could sustain life it would just be a waste of space we have this great yeah. audience this yeah. great room it would be a waste of space if we didn't have a full crowd nice and toasty on a cold winter night it's we don't good. we don't have the 17 that we had last month when first ascent was here no no i don't ever want to have that many yeah. people in this room especially again. 17 first ascenters yeah it's bad just bad 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 but i'd like to uh, introduce some of our instituto guests tonight uh returning champions kenny kane and aaron eloise are in the house who actually uh, met at the M15 lounge? Who actually met at the M15 lounge at the uh, RS International Conference this past May in New York? Uh, we have uh, Melanie Richmond is here in the house. She is, uh, interestingly enough, um, the very first I2Y person because I met her probably six years ago before I2Y even existed when I was just the guy that played piano who was told he'd never play piano again. So, and now she runs an organization called um, Jack. First trek to true north, true north trek. Trek. Come on, yes. man. I'm sorry. I, I have a lot on my mind right now. We don't have a including microphone lots of to reach all the way to <clears throat> Melanie, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. Uh, and also, Matt Corzelius is here. He is our Survivor Spotlight's uh, plus one. <laughs> Say hi, Matt. Hey, guys. How we doing? Are you um, going to sing us a song? Uh, not tonight. <clears throat> Matt is a professional. What are you? Jiggle? I'm, I'm a singer. Performer? Singer? Yes. Uh, and he's a overall talented. good guy. Overall good guy. I will support that. I can I can attest for all all of those because I've seen him sing, and he, he is an all around good guy. Here here in New York at Ellen Stardust Diner, is that right? Well, on Broadway too, right? Well, I, I've I've done uh, the work here and there, but uh, I I was a former member of the Ellen Stardust Diner crew. Yes, there you go. Good What's stuff. Broadway when you've sung at the Ellen Stardust Diner? You know, who needs Broadway? It's actually on, it. on Broadway and uh, 51st Street. Yeah, right. so it's, tec- well, it's technically on Broadway. That's the white way. Yeah, that's the great white way. If anything. Um, we have uh, Tony Lilly and Nicole Kelly are joining us in studio. Welcome, guys. It's great to have you here. Um, so what's what's in the news? What's going on? Well, what do you want to talk about first? I think we, we can should... talk about the uh, the non-cancer Facebook awareness cartoon character campaign from the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's, it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me. Well, anything that raises awareness, and if that's like the sole purpose, is okay. No, no, I would disagree. Fill everybody in so we all know. All right, well, many people may remember that, uh, I don't know, was it a year ago in October of 2009 and then again in October of 2010, there was some strange Facebook phenomenon where people had to change their status to something. Um, Do you remember what they were? In 2009, it was like what? what, It was the color of the bra that you were wearing. Right. In 2009, you had to just... Mine was nude. Thank you, Jack. Everyone that was female, and hopefully only female... Except for dusty showers. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, well there's, all, there's, the, there's the man's ear or the bro. Right, the bro. So Jack may have had Thank that. Thank you, Frank, Frank Costanza, for that one. You're welcome. Um, everyone had to now, change actually. their Facebook status to, like, you know, nude, teal, right. white, so whatever. So the color of the bra you're wearing. Right, and the whole point of it was to be this 
this obfuscated attempt at raising awareness that women get breast cancer. Yes, now, which I've had, live, and I refuse to partake in that. Right, and if you live in a rock, in a rock, not under a rock, in the rock, <laughs> and, like and you, might, rock? you might very well not know that women get breast cancer, but no one lives in a rock. Well, they should really give breast Fossils. cancer its own month. Fossils live in a rock. And, even they, and even, even they know that women get yes, breast cancer. even they know that they get yeah. breast cancer. So anyways, and then this year it was you had to change your status to where you put your purse, uh, yeah. which made less sense. So anyway, going back to where we started the call, there's another new uh, sort of ridiculous Facebook. They call them a meme, M-E-M-E, some sort of social phenomenon. So that is how you pronounce it, a meme? A meme. Not a meme or a meme? You could call it that. <laughs> we'll just make fun of you. Okay. But well, I'm it's used not to a that. meme either. I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time. Exactly. Yeah. So... Basically, uh, um, you have to change your profile picture to your favorite 80s cartoon character. No, no, no. It was a cartoon character from when you were a child. Oh, okay. That's okay. why Lisa had Steamboat Willie as her. <laughs> Minnie Mouse, yeah. Steamboat Willie. <laughs> <laughs> so no, good, Betty, Betty Boo. Betty Boo, right, right. <laughs> All right, so you had to change your Facebook profile picture to a cartoon character you enjoyed in your youth, and the whole point of this is to raise awareness that parents beat their kids. Well, that there, there's children that are abused. It's not just parents beating their kids. But well, it's could, all be, a, could be an uncle or an aunt. That's true. Okay. But, this, again, if you live in... Because I was beaten by more than just my parents. <laughs> <laughs> if you live in Iraq, not Iraq, Iraq, you might not know that kids get beaten by people, and it's illegal to do that, and it's bad. And if you do get caught beating your child, you should be drawn and quartered and hung and killed in public. This is why we need to go back to hangings on the courthouse lawn instead of the appeals process. We don't need appeal. You know what? If there's video evidence of you beating your kid, you deserve to be beaten yourself. It's like citizen's arrest. You're allowed to shoot that person now, or to, pummel to them. that, we are – here's my point. Technically, it's, folks, we're not advocating that. We're just riffing here. No, no. Or but, they are, not my, me. My point is that, like, it got people talking, and I'm all for that. But I will say this on air. I've said it on Facebook. I'll continue to say it. Awareness without action is inaction. If it was change your profile to the Smurfs, which Jack actually did. So I was Jokey Smurf. <laughs> was that an actual Smurf? That was Jokey Smurf. There was a Jokey Smurf? Yeah, remember he had the present with the fuse on it, and what? he would always give people a gift. Wasn't and that they funny would Smurf it, or something? Would, no, that was Jokey Smurf. I Jokey thought you Smurf. just did that because it was the holiday season. I saw that Smurf with the package. No, no. I thought, oh, he's trying to get in the Christmas no, spirit? See, I, no, no, I, no. I, I didn't want to go with my true self and be Brainy Smurf, so I went with Jokey <laughs> Smurf instead. Well, you're certainly not Chef Smurf or whatever the guy is. Food Smurf? Who's the one that cooks? Know. I don't remember. Drinky yeah. Smurf? I remember Va- Smurf? Like Kenny Kane would have been Vainy Smurf. Vainy? No. No, it was... It was ooh, all right, name 10 Smurfs. Go. Papa Smurf, Smurfette, Jokey, Brainy, Handy. What, how many am I up to? Five. Uh, why can't we do Gargamel and Asriel? No, 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 no. Smurfs. Uh, okay. There was, there was Dirty, Dumpy. <laughs> the avatars count their blue. Cra- cracked out. No, there was Hefty Smurf. Okay. Was Hefty, Hefty Smurf. was the one that was strong and lifted stuff. Okay. You're listening to it's the stupid set. cancer show. I know. <laughs> we just lost 12, 12 but, listeners. <laughs> but, although we might have gained Hasbro as a sponsor now. That's true. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. So anyway, so I don't remember who the, the other. The whole point of it is, I like the fact that we're talking about it. First, but no, well that too. But the yeah. fact that we're talking about child abuse is great. Yeah. But the point is, a, how can you not be aware that there is child abuse? And again, there's no call to action. If it was change your profile to the and Smurf, then do X. and then go to this right. website 
or go to this website and change your profile picture to this particular profile, right. and it'll be posted on your social media avatars and blah, 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 and donate a dollar to this. That would make more sense to me because mm-hmm. at least you'd get more people. You'd probably get less people to do it, but the people that did do it would give money. That's right. right. And I, I, I will agree with you regarding that because for me, I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm actually going to participate in this one because of Jokey Smurf. But for me, it wasn't so much like just like, you know, and I certainly was aware of, of the, the campaign and the reason behind it. But for me, it was like going through and going to my homepage and seeing 17 people change their profile picture and to see which cartoons people went with. Like, people were like uh, Strawberry Shortcake and, like, the uh, the Thundercats. So, so it just becomes this game in terms of getting all nostalgic about cartoon totally. characters and nothing, totally about, like nothing okay. about the abuse of kids. And just to wrap up where we were before I pulled up the list of all the Smurfs, <laughs> there's like a hundred of them, right? There's Papa, there's Lazy Smurf. That's who you are. You're Lazy Smurf. You're not... Dumpy Smurf or whatever right. it was. I think we're proving Jack's point here, yeah. and that we're more focused on the names of the Smurfs than we are on the right. child abuse in the, the, in the, the end. Uh, there's a poet Smurf. Did you know there's poet yes, Smurf? Yes, I do remember poet Smurf, but I didn't remember that was his there's name. There's Grouchy. Oh, Baker Smurf. That was the food Smurf. Was Smurfette the only female? Yes. Yes, isn't that awesome? <laughs> there's Snappy Smurf. It's like a perfect world. Wait, there's... No, no, here's a female. Sasset Smurfling? Oh, the, those were the, like the babies, the Smurflings. Yeah. Well, maybe it was a perfect. It was a perfect world for her because she had her pick of the men. There's clockworks. Yeah, but she was probably a bitch, and nobody. What? That's why she was single. Wild Smurf. You're the only female with a hundred guys, and you're single. You're a bitch. Oh, greedy Smurf. Okay, there's ten. Greedy. This show is not about stereotypes. No, not <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. All right, let's carry on. All right, we've lost twelve more listeners. We have lost all of our listeners, yeah. for the matter of fact. Which actually, still hopefully, there. we lost Ann Kramer. We have a terrific show coming but up. But honestly, four hundred and forty-five thousand listens. That's awesome. No, wait, 345,000. Wait, are we no, up to us? Four? No, no, we're, no, we're we over crossed, 450 we last week. Then it's 4.45. I checked it today. This is, we're rocking and rolling. It's insane. This is beyond belief. 445,000. Listens. Listens. S- yes. We were at 30,000 in January. We, we're off the charts with the math. Who can even do the math on that growth? A thousand, well, blah, yeah. blah, blah, percent? I brought that up. I was giving my talk at a college last week. And my keynote was a little antiquated because I hadn't uh, I hadn't updated any of the facts since May. That's a great way to give you, you, a presentation. You, you had your abacus with you. Yeah, right. No, but the uh, the radio show page said that we were at fifty thousand listeners or Uh-oh. listens, and that was that was in May of of this year. Matt, yeah. get on that. I well, so that's four hundred thousand since May. Yes, very nice. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, on that note, let's bring out our uh, Survivor Spotlight tonight. All right, 814 on the Stupid Cancer Show. Originally hailing from the land of wings, Buffalo, New York, Kaylee Mordaunt. Yum. What? Yum. Yum. Buffalo wings? Yes. What's better than that? I think Kenny and Jack ate Buffalo wings. Kenny and I pounded a bucket of them about an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Kaylee was diagnosed with astrocytoma at the age of 21 and told that she'd one day be on a radio show here in New York. Keep kidding. She thought it would be a big famous radio show, yeah. but she got stuck here. Um, yes, we're so sorry to let you down. And the un- undaunted, Kaylee Moore Daunt, was unmore daunted. She picked up and moved to the big city in 2007 to pursue her master's degree in psychology at the new school, which she completed in 2009, after which she became a social worker for Cardinal McCluskey Services in the Bronx, working in foster care. Clearly, God's work is built into you, including your boyfriend. 80 inches of snow each year seemed to be more appealing to her than New York City, so she hit the road and moved back to Buffalo just recently to not only open up her restaurant, but to bring some stupid cancer Kool-Aid 
to the frozen wasteland of upstate Isawai, New York City, in Buffalo and Rochester, Syracuse, and Binghamton, and Corning, and all that stuff out there. Anyway, New York. And Hamilton, New York, where I went to college. Hamilton, New York, yes. All right, Kaylee Mordaunt. The beautiful Shenango Valley. Wait, she she just walked out the door after that introduction. Come back. Please come back. Okay, I'm coming back. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show. I just want to make a correction. There are chicken wings in Buffalo, New York. Oh, okay. Right, okay. <laughs> well, what, wait, you can't... What, what well, you buffalo like wings are made of buffalo. Well, okay. They're extra special there. That's right. They are, they are from a chicken, not yes. from a buffalo. Is it true that you can walk from any point in the city to any other point in the city underground through a cave system? Matthew? Or my, my Matt is also here. Welcome, Matt. My Matt. Oh, they said hi to me. Oh. No. That's no. not true. <laughs> All right. Thank you for qualifying that. The Board of Tourism really needs to update their website then. Wait. The only reason I was going to speak long. Is, is it true <laughs> that you can take a tunnel from the center of Buffalo to the middle of Niagara Falls? What? No? You've been watching too many Brendan Fraser bad movies. <laughs> I don't even know what you're referencing. I have no idea either. But it sounds like a movie <laughs> Brendan Fraser it would do. Like Journey to the Center of Niagara. <laughs> and Brendan Fraser is on Broadway right now. center of New York yes, State. He yes, he is. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's it's great to have you on the show. I have to tell our crowd here and our listeners out there how we met. Because in the history of what I would call serendipitous karma, I cannot possibly think of any other unique way that I have randomly met somebody through a random act based on a random decision. And there were three concentric oddities that all coalesced that led about to us meeting you. And why don't you uh, and Matt tell us that story? Okay. Well, I was I was there for this uh, event. Um, so yeah, I, I worked worked at uh, Ellen Stardust Diner, a uh, basically a New York tourist trap, <laughs> and uh, or, yeah. or a fine institution. Well, Come on, there's know, nothing wrong with twelve dollar chili. You know, it, yeah, it is I, what I it is. An eighteen dollar milkshake. I, yeah, I thought it was sometimes sixteen dollars. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you want to pay seventeen bucks for a burger and have someone scream in your face. Uh, belting show tunes, been yeah. and so. Uh, that's where uh, our gentleman here uh, with I2Y decided to conduct their business meeting, which makes perfect sense. Squandering our feeble resources I once mean, again on $18 chili. Well, hang on. First of all, I paid for it. But secondly, secondly, we it just, wasn't me that paid for it. I can assure no. you that. We just wrapped a board meeting or a planning committee meeting or something it was a board meeting. at our law offices a block away. I've been, I grew up in New York. Oh, I was born and raised and, here. No, and I'm a, I'm a yeah. musical theater nerd, but to be honest, I've walked past Alan Stardust Diner. I don't need to go in there. I know Broadway. I know whatever, whatever. You I'm better here. than you people. Yeah. <laughs> people who live in New York don't go to Alan Stardust no, Diner. No, no, no. It's kind of as a rule. Yeah. But for some strange reason, I was with Jack Buford and Kenny Kane walking in. I was like, you know what, dude, let's just go to Ellen's. I want to introduce you guys to this because they had no idea what this was. So it was yeah, great. Because when I come to the city, I don't go to Ellen's. No, you go to the wing I go to, place. I go to Carmine's. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a better idea. So we randomly walked in there, randomly sat down, randomly got some food, and, and we were waited on by a, a colleague of yours who was a fellow worker there. Sherry. Kira, yeah. Yeah, Kira. And <laughs> what? Sherry. Sherry, no, Sherry is her, her stage name. Sherry was her stage name, right. So um, anyway, we, we depart after paying our bill. And what we typically do is whenever we go out anywhere, and we hope anyone that's out there with I2Y gear and crap and swag and just, you know, tip your waiter or waitress or hostess and then leave a stupid cancer card on the table. And we did that. And on the way out, Kenny, like, bumped into Matt and just handed him a stupid cancer card saying, hey, take care. And then what happened? 
yeah, he handed me this bracelet, and uh, in that in that moment, I just look at it and I go, you know, I was a little taken aback, just like, wow, you know, you picked you picked someone for whom this uh, hits home, as my fiance uh, has been dealing with that for some for some time now, and uh, so I checked out the website, and it ended up being exactly the kind of thing that Kaylee had been looking for for quite some time, the exact sort of organization that she had been trying to find for a while, and so uh, we I contacted. Uh, you guys and told Kaylee about the organization and we were immediately excited and you were uh, kind enough to offer us a invitation to the Ungala that happened only two weeks after that I believe. which is our annual fundraiser yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, from then on we've been as you say we've been drinking the Kool-Aid and uh, so let me ask Kaylee on, on yeah, Kaylee you were diagnosed a long time ago how do you why do you think you were not ever introduced to age-appropriate support well, I don't think there's a lot of age-appropriate support out there. Um, it's just not the typical, like, not a lot of 21-year-olds get, not a lot of 21-year-olds get brain cancer. Matthew? Matt, well, you and I are kindred that way. Yeah. Right. When I when Matt went to the webpage, it was especially, you said serendipitous, karma, whatever, he read that you lost um movement in your hand because you want to be a concert pianist I also lost movement in my left hand and so that's why we were especially moved by that and I looked at a lot of organizations and I went to a lot of support groups and tried to find things but everything I went to was older women gathering crying and I just wasn't supported or uplifted by any of that and when I went to the on gala I was nervous about doing that because I had been to a lot of um, cancer events just as a volunteer my whole life. And this was the first time I was actually faced with going to an event as the survivor, and I was really nervous about that, actually, because it was the first time I was going to do that, and I was kind of having a panic attack about that. But then I went to the gala, and I felt at home for the first time, and I met everybody, and it was awesome. And I just have kept coming back and kept meeting awesome people and totally love it um, because everybody's going through the same things and, you know, dealing with the same issues that you feel like no one else is dealing with because you're the only one in the world that could be dealing with these issues as such a young person, but they all are, you know. And like I said, like, what are the odds that we happen to go on a Thursday to Ellen Stardust Diner out of all the random places in the world, and Matt happens to be working there, and Kenny happens to decide to just start randomly throwing wristbands at people, you know, rubber band style, whether it knocks your eye out. Flinging them, nice. Yes. Yeah. And then you just happen to be, you know. Yeah, it was just uh, specifically connected to it, and it was just uh, a really moving moment when I realized this, this could actually be something that we would want to really be a part of. And so... Here we are, and we're trying to do what we can with and, you guys. And you are now engaged. Yes, sir. And when did that happen? August 18th. It's my birthday. Cool. Very nice. Excellent. That's a great way to never forget when you got engaged. <laughs> Put me that down as mo- coming stag, and I'll have the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Just by default. I'm going to RSVP now. That's his T-shirt, wherever he goes. But that's really awesome. And now you have plans to dominate I2Y Buffalo. And saturate that snow-laden, barren, <laughs> buried that we love. city that we love so much because of their chicken wings. 
They can host our first stupid cancer snowball fight. Yes. Oh, my God. There's a... Igloo, right. snowman, there's all kinds of... Or we could do the vast. stupid cancer lake effect. Everyone will wear like a stupid can. Everyone will wear a stupid cancer bicycle flag, and they have to run through like a like a maze or something. So many possibilities. No, it's serious. It's seriously <laughs> awesome. But I'm like I said, it's just how many young adult survivors of this like brain cancer at 21 who lost their left hand. So let's talk about all the things that are going up there, uh, going on up there that you guys are running because it's it's exploding. I mean, you really you Matt's not under not uh, understating this. You you've taken over the great vast upstate New York yeah. with our cause. Well, um, my Matthew and I um, wanted to go back and just kind of spread I2I to Buffalo, and we talked to Matthew of I2I about just doing that, and he gave us a whole bunch of goodie bags to bring back, and um, we talked to my mom, who's the executive director of Western New York, about just using her of, of, of Coleman. Coleman. Right. And about using her office, and she was more than willing to do that, and so were the board, and they jumped on board with everything. Um, but then she was talking to Roswell Park, and Roswell Park is trying to support young people cancer. Roswell Park for the Cancer Institute okay. um, in Buffalo, and they want to jump on board with I2Y also, and they want to... Um, be active in it, and they want to take part in bringing I2I into Roswell Park and working with us and spreading the word out there for young people. And Ryan Miller um, has a steadfast foundation. He wants to financially back some of this for young people cancer. So Roswell Park is really going to be on board with all of this, helping young people cancer in Buffalo. To be clear, uh, Ryan Miller is the goalie of the Buffalo Sabres, and he is a uh has this foundation that he's been building to help uh, cancer research, and that's, that's... That's fantastic. Well, and and all the while, you're still going through your treatment, Kelly. is that right? Yeah. Um, right now, I'm on chemotherapy. I'm on my seven-month uh, mark. I should be done at 12 months, but my tumor hasn't grown in seven months. Great. So that's really good news for me. And what technically was your, your diagnosis? Um, I have an astrocytoma glioma in my right motor strip. Um, okay. So I had, I've had two craniotomies. I had an awake craniotomy when I was first diagnosed um, and radiation, and then it didn't grow for about a year, and then I had another craniotomy um, la- um, last summer, and then I had to start chemotherapy at the beginning of this year. So it's been a tenuous journey, but it's not growing right now, so... Things are looking good. Excellent news. And you're actually getting treatment here in Manhattan, is that right? At Mount Sinai, and my doctor is Dr. Demopoulos, who's wonderful. Shout out to Dr. Demopoulos. Demopoulos and Dr. Germano. Is that Jewish? That's Greek. That sounds Greek. It's awesome, is what it is. Awesome. So, and you are on a drug called Tamadar, and yep. this is important to mention because it's a drug that I wish existed when I was diagnosed Absolutely. in the Stone Age of the year three. <laughs> Which is the year after you were diagnosed. Right, I was going to say, I was one or two, yeah, exactly. and you were three. Now, I, I want to make a point that Temodar is one of those miracle drugs that have come out recently that have really changed the way that brain tumor patients and survivors are managing their their diagnosis, their quality of life. I, I Just tell me about it. Tell me what, what it's been like to, to be living with Temodar. Temodar is an oral chemotherapy, um, and it's something that you 
typically you're on a round just like any other chemotherapy. You take it once a month. Um, but what's beautiful about it is your hair doesn't fall out. Yes, and that is true. She has lovely blonde hair, <laughs> almost shoulder-length blonde hair. And I think what's great about that is people don't treat you like you have cancer. And I think for a lot of cancer patients, they can relate to that. Um, but as far as that's concerned, uh, you can basically, you know, have a normal life then. You can go on vacations and you can... Um, you can try it. You can go to work if you can, or you can, you know, do your typical. You can go through your typical days because um, you can take this medication, and you still you get the nausea, but you can manage it. Um, you just don't have to go to the hospital. You just have to get your blood work taken. Um, so it is way different than the old school chemotherapies, and hopefully soon they can start doing that with all the Well, yeah, I believe that when I was diagnosed, the doctors basically wrote the prescription for my post-operative treatment is one word, Chernobyl. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? Uh, yeah. Who are you again? <laughs> who are you people in this room? Get the spiders off me. Yeah. So I'm glad you didn't have to go through Chernobyl. Not good stuff. Yeah, they've come a long way, haven't they? <laughs> of course, Temido was invented like the year after I was diagnosed, so mm-hmm. they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Sharon Clapp. They were going to sponsor us, but no, I guess not. No, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> no FCC. Woohoo! Yeah, exactly. Although, to, to, I guess they made up for it because they bought a whole bunch of my albums. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so in yeah. a sense, yeah, I guess. Six to one, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Close and, enough. And yeah. patients have been lulling themselves to sleep. <laughs> yes, ever they have. Yes, they have. It's the new, it's the new sedation theater. Match music is better than Ambia. Yes. Yes, I'm it just is. kidding, Matt. No, you're not. Awesome. No, you're not. I'm talking to the other Matt. Okay. Oh, but Kayla, you also tell you your your brother also had can't passed away from cancer. Yeah, my brother right? yeah. passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and my parents actually started a non-profit golf tournament called Keith's Classic in Western New York, which became a huge golf tournament there, and it lasted for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, how old was he when he passed away? Um, he was six. Wow. So, yeah. Not Hodgkins. Wow. Well, that's uh, and, and it's called what classic? I'm sorry. Keith, Keith Memorial Golf Keith, Tournament. Keith your brother's yeah, name. Keith classic. Yeah. Um, All right. So wait. So your brother lost his life. You are dealing with it now, and your mom works for Komen. Yeah. Matt, you haven't run for the hills. <laughs> what's in, what's in this for you? He's entrenched more than ever. He's yeah. in love. I'm ensconced in love. <laughs> I, yeah, I gotta say that I was trying to fit that word into this broadcast that we were and talking about it earlier. That's the word Did you hear that on the, like the radio last night or something? Actually, like I have to use this Seinfeld. word. Okay. Seinfeld. Okay. I'm just smiling because I have no idea what that means. <laughs> We've got two Seinfeld references in, yes, in one did. show. Yes, we did. We should yes, try we for did. a third somewhere. The man's ear and uh, or the bro. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Fantastic. They're real and they're spectacular. Yes. Who wants to go for that yeah. one? Yeah. All right, Terry Hatcher. Thank you very much, Terry Hatcher. All right, well, we're out of time with the segment. You guys are sticking around. You're here in the studio. It's been fantastic to have you. How about a, a round of applause for uh, Kaylee Mordaunt and Mac Rodriguez. What a great couple. Back to White Buffalo. Thanks for having us, guys. So let's, uh, let's jump to the news here. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. All right, during this part of the stupid cancer show, we listen to Jack Lafarge stammer through a series, and a stammer he does, of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff, free stuff, like young adult events, conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, bar crawls, marathon runs, support groups, concerts, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to spread the word about, 
please send an email to Jack Pappard and let him know. His email is jack at i2y.com. That's jack at i2y.com. Take it away, bro. Thank you, Papa Bear. Your first stop, events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. We have a couple happy hours coming up, so head on over to events.i2y.com. Team Stupid Cancer, the nation's first running team, exclusively supporting young adults. It's completely sold out. We have 25 runners running on behalf of our fabulous foundation here. And if you would like to sponsor myself, Kenny Kane, Aaron L. Louise, or any of our other runners, head on over to TeamStupidCancer.com. Make a pledge towards your favorite runner and help support everything that we're doing here. The buzz is building around the fourth annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults being held April 16th and 17th in New York City. Stay tuned. For more information as we approach our registration date of February 1st, we're going live with registration February 1st at noon. That's and correct. And we have an awesome, that wasn't a question, that was a statement. Shut up, Jack. And <laughs> drink. And we have uh, a spectacular Saturday night event planned for all attendees, so head on over to omgsummit.org for all the information. We have an update Hello. to the Wolf News blog. Being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Booth News blog. Everyone needs to check out boothnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com for the official list of all stupid cancer news resources. These resources include surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. Matthew, why? I just got word today that Can't Make a Dream has announced their 2011 schedule. So, and what is Can't Make a Dream? Can't Make a Dream is a fabulous retreat in the hills of Gold Creek, Montana, that is completely free. Head on over to campdream.org, and they have a bunch of awesome camps. They have, well, they actually have groups, uh, camps for kids, they have camps for teens, and they have young adult camps. They, camps. they have one for and those They have a brain camp, don't they? Uh, they might. I I'm think they have sure. a brain tumor. They camp. have an ovarian can- uh, an ovarian retreat. They got a lot of camps. They have a survivor camp, and they have a young adult camp and a young adult survivor camp. So head on over to campdream.org. And in similar news, our friends at First Ascent officially announced their calendar for 2011 last week. So you can head over to firstascent.org/programs for all the information regarding them. So that, my friends, is your stupid cancer news. All righty. All right, Jack. Is that enough stammering for you? That was more stammering than I could have tolerated. And for everybody playing the Shut Up Jack drinking game, they got to do a shot. They, they the do get to do a shot. They're blotto right now. Oh. <laughs> Kramer's hammered. Oh, boy. There's your uh, Seinfeld reference. I don't know yeah. what you guys are talking about. Hmm. Anyway, we have a great show tonight. Yes, we do. It's something that we have to give credit where credit Says is due. Mr. Dr. Reverend John Filbert, a young adult survivor of lung and thyroid Life. cancer who runs our... Uh, I2Y South Midwest Regional Chapter, uh, and who was a member of the Executive Committee of our Board of Directors as an ex officio executive volunteer, uh, was so passionate about this uh, this particular show. Months ago, he was like, dude, we got to do this show, we got to do this show, we got to do this show. So here we are, John. Uh, I lost my bet, and we're doing the show. He worked his tail off. He really did. He did work his tail off, and i got to give credit where credit is due. John Philbert, you're the man. Thank you for putting this together. And without further ado, let's introduce 
our guests to their own custom music. Like the wind that goes stop by in the summer. Do you remember? Who's that, folks? Like Funky Ones, LFO. Melissa Holland is here. She is a spectacular woman who put together her love for music and her involvement in philanthropy. It first began with a concert to benefit Camp Heartland, which is a summer camp for children with HIV and AIDS. But Melissa is probably best known for her work with Rich Cronin of the pop group LFO, Light Funky Ones, who was diagnosed with leukemia in 2005. Together with Rich and his family, they established the Rich Cronin Hope Foundation for Leukemia. And through Melissa's work, the foundation is responsible for over 3,500 registrations of the Be the Match Marrow Registry and Voices of Hope, a program bringing leukemia patients into the recording studio. And she continues to carry on Rich's vision since his passing in September of this year. So we are thrilled to have her here. She was his partner in crime, business-wise, his manager, Melissa Holland. Hey, Melissa. And here we, this is their big, this is uh, LFO's big hit, yes. Summer Girls. Well, we also have on the line uh, another special guest. We have her on the line right right now, don't yeah, we? Yeah, right, yes, we do. <laughs> I actually thought she was calling in with a few. This is even better. Cassandra Cronin, who's an event manager in Boston, Massachusetts, and co-founder of the Rich Cronin Hope Foundation for Leukemia as well. Pioneer in what they call the good fight. Uh, she's been involved in many life enrichment programs, which directly impact cancer patients. Cassie has partnered with Locks of Love, Has to See, and routinely organizes bone marrow drives, encouraging individuals to pay forward the gift that her brother, Rich Cronin, received in 2006. A registered marrow donor herself and frequent blood donor, Cassie's committed to providing love and compassion to cancer patients. She's having been impacted by the incredible love for her family members and touched by cancer. Cassie has recently began an education in oncology and nursing, hoping to touch even more lives with compassion in the future. Sister of Rich Cronin, we're thrilled to have her on the line now as well, Cassandra Cronin. Oh, Cassandra Cronin and Melissa Holland. So I thought Cassandra was calling in a few, but this is fantastic. She's well, on now. We've got everybody in the house. We have to. We I'm have a little to slow on the uptake. Tri- triple you know our that. efforts. That's yeah. Okay. You were diagnosed in the year two. That's fine. <laughs> Cassandra, you with us? The Betty Boop. I'm here. How are you? Hi there. Hi, Cassandra. Hi. Melissa, you all set? I am. Okay. okay. So, why don't you kick off the conversation, Lisa? I will be happy to do so. Well, we've just heard that. Obviously, we heard the big song that everybody knows, "Summer Girls." Tell us first, Melissa. When Rich was diagnosed, you were right there with him in the throes of his career. Where was he exactly? How did he first find out? What were the symptoms? Bring us back to that point in time. Uh, he, he and I actually uh, started our partnership shortly thereafter, but uh, at the time, and I guess the most interesting part of the story, about being a pop star or someone that's in the public eye that kind of goes through something like this, um, perhaps similar to how people who aren't in the public eye, but literally... Life changed completely overnight for him. Uh, he was up in Massachusetts doing a performance. He hadn't been feeling well. Which is where um, he's from. Which is right. where he's from, uh, South Shore, Boston. Um, I, and I believe the story goes that Cassie, you picked him up at the airport and told me he looked like crap. Uh, he looked <laughs> awful, yeah. Always a compliment. <laughs> I, li- I like to greet everyone with a nice compliment. <laughs> um, and, and over the next couple of days, um, his health started deteriorating a little bit more, um, which he attributed to his iced coffee diet. 
Um, and he was up on, on stage in Plymouth, Massachusetts, in the South Shore, Boston, with Jordan Knight, where after, you know, someone who's... Of New Kids on the Block. Of, of New Kids on the Block, right. correct. They had a lot of hits. They, they had a bunch of hits. <laughs> Is it 1992 Chinese again? Here. Chinese yeah. who did really make Rich Six. <laughs> to quote Summer Girls there, folks. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, Rich is is used to performing for 90 minutes on stage, high energy, uh, did one song with Jordan um, and literally almost collapsed after um, with a pain in his side, as he said. And, you know, there's there's more details between there and the day that he went to the hospital a couple of days later, but literally um, got to the doctor, the family doctor, who later called back and said, you need to get him to the hospital now, make sure he doesn't bump his head. He's got about a third of the red blood cells that he should have to survive. And um, at that moment, Rich was living in Orlando, Florida at the time. That's where life changed. And he moved back to the Northeast, started treatment, and kind of never went back to that life again. So, Cassandra, how was it? Take us back to that moment when you picked him up and said you look like crap. Um, I had been with him previously, uh, like two weeks before I had picked him up, and he didn't really look that good, but he was convinced he had found the best diet ever at the co- the iced coffee diet which we <laughs> so, all tried and so which, it didn't which, work which, for any of us yeah iced coffee and what iced coffee and iced coffee what iced goes coffee with that? and iced coffee all the way <laughs> but it didn't work for any of us um i did pick him up at the airport and he still looked kind of crappy but he didn't really want to listen to it he just figured he was tired from traveling and then as time went on, like days went on, family, you know, one by one kind of said, you know, you don't look too good. You look really thin. You need to go to the hospital, get, you know, get a checkup. And that's kind of where we ended up not too long after. And how old was he at the time? He was uh, a little past his 30th birthday. So you mean to tell me that people in their 20s and 30s get cancer? I know. Shocking. And this was 2005, 2006? Yes. Okay. So you, so he was, um, but he's obviously was still working, as you said. He was performing and mm-hmm. uh, up on stage, Jordan Knight and out there and sort of doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And then it became, um, his, his life changed overnight and became what? Obviously the treatment started and, and take us from there. Melissa. Treatment started. He, he went into remission the following August. Um and that's kind of around the time that the Hope Foundation itself was born in reality. Uh, initially, the Rich Cronin Hope Foundation was kind of like, uh, I want to do something with this, or, you know, I need a way to notify my fans of what's going on, so we'll put this website up kind of thing. But and there, how is it, can I back, can I stop you there uh-huh. for just a second there? So he's a public figure. How did you come to that? Did you first try to not let this out to his fans, or how did you manage all of that as somebody who was, Known and had a public persona and a fan following, or did you immediately think, let's let everybody know what's going on? Which was hands-on. Which labored with that. Um, I think there was a really positive. Art. I mean, it got out. It got out. Um, and there was a great article done by um, Mr. Shanahan from the Boston Globe, where they really covered his career and Mike they, Shanahan. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Incredible guy. Um, yeah. And I think um, at that point was when he got to feel a little bit more comfortable about the public. He wasn't someone that was, I don't want anybody to know about all this, but he wasn't somebody that ever wanted it to define him either. So I think, um, you know, once it was out there, it was out there. Um, We talk about the Hope Foundation kind of having its birth 
um, it stemmed from somebody. He wanted to do this foundation. He didn't know what he wanted to do with it. That's kind of how we started our partnership. I had been heavily involved in uh, community service and charitable activities, fundraising with pop stars and music artists. And he said, you know, Melissa, what do I do with this? How do I do this the right way? How do we set it up so that it's a real charity? And, and what are we going to do? And, you know, so kind of like wrapped up in what the business of it was going to be, didn't really sit down with him and say, well, what do you want to do with it? Like, it's the rich corner. I want to give hope. Well, how, how are we going to do that? You know, um, and a friend of ours, or someone actually, someone who worked at, at a club that Rich was friends with the manager of in the um, back bay of Boston was doing a project at Northeastern. She was getting her, uh, I think her master's degree, and she had to do a simple, similar to like um, the TV show that had Donald Trump on it. Like they had to do The Apprentice. The Apprentice, yeah. right. They had to do some sort of charitable benefit, but they had to do this whole business plan executed. And she did a fashion show, um, and this was the first, public, and when I say public, it was small, it was maybe 100 people there, public event where Rich was going to get up and speak about being diagnosed with the cancer. And the night before, we were actually um, in the hotel where I was staying, um, and we were watching an infomercial of St. Jude's. And he he looked at me and he said, you know, I don't know what I want to do with this foundation. I don't even know what we're going to do with the money that they're raising for us tomorrow night, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I am never going to win the Tour de France. I am never going to cure this thing, and I certainly, and his, his exact words, I sure as shit don't want to be the poster boy for this, but if there and is somebody... And you can curse on the show, by the I, way. I got that before, <laughs> and that mine wasn't as bad as yours. No, no. <laughs> um, if, if I can do something, and there's someone out there who's still listening to me, uh, and they see me, who's really just a regular guy, doing a regular thing, getting by with my regular life, then maybe that'll inspire someone. That's what I want to do. That's kind of like how we came up with the mission statement. We, you know, we wanted to do a bunch of things. We wanted to, like, Voices of Hope, where we were taking kids into the recording studio just to spend time with him and, like, give them some kind of positive activity. Um, we, you know, we did things where we donated plasma TVs and game systems to some of the transplant units just because, you know, the people are in isolation. They've got nothing to do. But it wasn't until his relapse that we really knew that, our main thing was we need to encourage people to register with the marrow registries and kind of the people don't understand a lot about leukemia. It's not one of the cancers that gets a lot of attention for how you can possibly put yourself out there to help save someone else's life. Breast cancer. <laughs> but, but you look at leukemia and, and certain blood cancers where there are ways for you to extend yourself to try and help be a cure. You know, I'm not, I don't claim to be a cancer you know, affectionado or, or like, you know, I, I don't know everything that there is to know. But someone who's got breast cancer can't always necessarily rely on someone else to save their life. Something like leukemia, lymphoma, there are ways with uh, modern science that people can put themselves out there to help save Well, life. I'm on board with that. This is our foundation. We work very closely uh-huh. with the National Marrow Donor Program and DKMS. Yep. We have supported uh, by way of um, sort of uh, cultivation lots of uh, marrow campaigns. Many of our constituents around the country are in need of marrow and, uh, and, and uh, transplants, and they're having a hard time getting matches. So it's, it's something that is absolutely critical, and that I'm glad you guys are behind, because there's no short supply of demand. No, and there's so this. many. You know, all you got to do is spit in a tube. I mean, come on, spit in a tube, people. And people are afraid of it. You yeah. know, they, they think it's... Well, the myth, gonna, those are the myths. I'm in a vacuum cleaner hooked up to my hip, and it's going to hurt, and that's this, yeah. and that. You know, there's so many ways that it changed. But um, when Rich when Rich relapsed, and it became pretty much evident that 
you know, they could knock him back into remission again or a couple times, but it, it, he was going to relapse. So he needed to have this stem cell marrow transplant. His family didn't match. And, you know, those of us who tested for him, it was kind of like, you know, a complete shot in the dark anyway. But to go ahead and try. I got an email from a fan. And and it's it's funny, and I hope she's not listening because she said, she said. No one listens to the show anyway, so don't worry. She said, I love Rich so much that I would donate any organ to him to keep him alive, except the ones that I would need. <laughs> Rich loved that, that, that email. And <laughs> well, skin's an organ. I guess you have to live with we that. We kind of said, I, well, you could always get a brain because she's not using that one. You know, <laughs> but um, so, we, you know, we figured people were out there that wanted to go and be tested for him right, because right. they heard his song on the radio. Right. Well, you know what? Go out and be tested and help anybody. Yeah. So that's where our major mission was born. So we should have Cassandra come back and talk us through that, but um, how about playing one of Richard's songs because we have these we incredible tracks. We have two tracks tonight. Tracks. I think one has never before been released or heard. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I have here a song called It Only Gets Better and a song called Kenmore Square. Maybe We're going to play both, but let me know which one you'd like what? to play first Wait. and the story behind it. Either yeah, one of you. So which one should we play first, do you think? Um, can you tell me? Kenmore, Kenmore, Kenmore Square. Kenmore Square. That's a favorite of Cassie's, too. Kenmore Square. Cassie, you want to tell them what that's about? Kenmore Square, from my perception, is, you know, a song about, it's a personal song about the people who are on his transplant floor. And, and tell us about... And Kenmore Square, exactly where that is and why it's Kenmore the title Square of the song. Is what he, Kenmore Square is what he looked at through uh, his hospital window. In for, Boston. In Boston Could for you see Fenway Park? Was that Mass General or Dana-Farber? That was Beth Israel. Beth Israel, okay. And Pretty much the Red Sox right James from his window? Park. What'd you say? I was asking if he could watch the Red Sox games from his window. Just ignore oh, him. Oh, we tried. I've tried many times. <laughs> didn't work out. So he wrote the song because he could um so can, so he could see Kenmore Square from his window. Right, Cassandra? Yes. Okay. He could see Kenmore Square and a lot of it was personal and the names that he uses were the people who were on his floor, some who um have passed on and some who are still going strong today. All right, so we're going to cut away to the song. Is this an exclusive? Is this part of an album? That is the exclusive. Um, it has not been released. We're working on putting together um, a two-volume set of m- most of his unreleased work. Um, this will be on. So this is a world premiere. This is a, a We're not worthy of this. Uh, you, well, we have a U.K. listener in the chat room, so this is a world premiere. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, here we go. This is Kenmore Square. Yeah. 
We broke out the full applause on that one. Yeah, definitely. Tell us, Melissa, you had a funny story that involved Rich liking candy and being in the, <laughs> being in the hospital there looking out on Kenmore Square. Yeah, Cassie likes this one, too. Um, yeah, he had a, a candy fit when he was in the step-down unit. After he got over the iced coffee. After he got over the iced coffee <laughs> diet. And went, walked into a 7-Eleven with his mask and gloves on and had the police called on him because they thought he was going to rob the place. But he was in his all his he hospital, was in his hospital get up, which I never really understood the full dynamic of that. They were across the street from a from a hospital with you know cancer patients going through treatment, but um, selling junk food. You mean? Yeah, like it wasn't a Whole Foods. It was a no, no, it was like a like a Seven Eleven right. kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that he went out and to get his candy fix, him. and he got the cops called on him <laughs> while wearing his uh, his mask <laughs> and his his hospital gear. Well, I have a question. It's a pointed question, but it's one we always ask on the show, which is, yes, he was 30. He was diagnosed as a young adult. Did he feel like he was treated like a young adult? <laughs> I, that's a question for either of you. Hmm. I think his his big thing was struggling between being treated like a regular guy and, and a not-so-regular guy. You know, it's funny because he, he would say things like, you know, I just want to be treated like everybody else kind of thing. But he was also the first one to organize all the nurses and pull up all the websites and pictures and, you know, go back to that, uh, you know, that whole 1999 thing. I, I don't know, Cassie, maybe you can answer that better than me. Was he treated like a young adult? Like what, what we find in our community, we know we, we reach, you know, hundreds of thousands of people like Rich every year who often feel like they're treated inappropriately for their age because they're either dealing with doctors who typically talk to 80-year-olds or doctors that deal with three-year-olds, and they're not given sort of the respect or the the dignity that they deserve by being at the unique age of being in your 20s or 30s, Um, specifically regard to issues of, like, fertility, 
or relationships or insurance or, uh, you know, career development or how to reintegrate yourselves and, you know, how to live. Because it's so different when you get cancer at 30 than at 80. You know, uh, going back to some of the things that he would say during the public speaking engagements that he would do, um, especially where he was, there weren't a lot of young people going diagnosed with AML in particular. So um, I think the, the comments that he had made in those particular engagements and to me had less to do with was he being treated like a young person and more to do with, you know, some of the the doctors, the, these were scientists that wrote the book on carrying this stuff. They're the ones that, you know, came, came up with these transplant technologies and stuff and were wonderful, but were also very, you know, to the point. You know, you walk into a room and he talked, he talked many times about, uh, being there the night he was diagnosed, and, and his father saying, you know, well, you know, what are his chances? And the doctor saying, that yeah, 50-50, you know, like, unemotional and that type of stuff. Um, never really mentioned much about the age thing other than, you know, AML typically doesn't get diagnosed in people his age. I think he didn't, the one thing that he definitely didn't enjoy was um, when the doctors wouldn't, you know, address him, they would speak directly to my parents. And right. it was like they were talking about him and he wasn't in the room. That happened to me. It and happens to a lot of people. he despised that. Yeah. Because he was going through it, but they always, you know, kind of, if it was me and him in the room, they would always look me in the eye and tell me what was going on, even though he was sitting right next to me. Interesting. And even though you weren't a parent, just just as a sibling, even they did that. Yeah. You know, they did it, you know, every visit, basically, and it used to make them crazy. I mean, that's just one of the things that really bothers the shit out of me all the time with that there are. And, I mean, it's hard to blame the – I mean, easy to blame the doctors, but it's also very difficult to blame the doctors because, you know, one in every – I don't know, six in every hundred cancer patients are under the age of 40. So they're not typically trained to know how to talk to somebody that isn't over the age of 40. So – I was 21 when I was diagnosed, so I was a lot younger. But, yes, the doctors talked to my parents. I'm sitting there right in the room. This is not, this is unfortunately not the first time I've heard this, but it's, again, going back to the theme of our, our show, why our, our, our organization exists as a national voice. Rich's story is as equally relevant to the fact that he was a pop star taken before his time and that he was so influential and wanted to give back, but that he's another voice of this generation that deserves so much better from the national healthcare community that we're just not getting. Yeah, I'd like to go back to um Cassie maybe talk about the who who was a match for him when he went to have the the bone marrow transplant. Um neither my brother or I matched Rich. So, we had to um find a match for him. And it was it wasn't a perfect match, right? Melissa, it was like a 8 out of 10. Uh the the first one was an 8 out of 10, I think the one, and, and they, we, they passed on that one. I think the second one was, was 10 of 10. It was a 10 of 10? I think so. It's all such a blur, sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so he went through that and um, was okay for a while and was, was still, he was working basically as much as he could throughout the whole time. Is that is that right? He did, you know. Uh, shortly after coming out of the transplant, um, he went on to do the VH1 reality show Mission Man Band. Flew down to Florida, lived in the house with you know some of the guys from the boy band days, and 
Um, I can't speak for his family who probably had feelings that I had magnified by a million, but was like, what are you doing? You know, it was right after. Um, came back from that and released the solo album that he always wanted to do, not on a, you know, not on a, an organized record label or major label where he was able to choose what he wanted to put out there and what he wanted people to hear. Went on to reunite with LFO and do a, a short tour uh, up and down the East Coast and get back on stage doing what he was doing. Um, and then in between that, you know, producing other artists and managing other artists, he was always doing something, but not without struggling daily um, with Graph vs. Host, which kind of came within uh, within a few months after that. And what about how he was emotionally? I mean, did you guys ever see him just get really down about this or or no? Well, yeah, of course he was down. I mean, yeah, but it, I mean, obviously he just, he worked throughout, but what was this, I mean, what would you do to kind of get him through he, his his real moment, low moments and how would they kind of manifest themselves? I think one of the big things that I did was I never treated him like a sick person. Yeah. And a lot. I think one of his problems was that um, he didn't like to be treated like he was sick. So he, I always would call him out on, you know, his, if he was in a grumpy mood or if he was in, you know, you know, being a little angry. Like, I always called him out and just treated him just like I treat anyone else. But when he was really down, I think it was more just, you know, the support of his family that got him through things. Because up in Buffalo, this was in 2000 and what year? The transplant? Yeah, yeah. 2006. 2006 in Boston. Mm-hmm. See, there was a thriving young adult community. There still is in Boston. So what bothers me the most about this is irrelevant to who he is, the fact that there was a young adult cancer patient going through a relapse and a transplant in Boston, and no one bothered to even be aware that there was, was a thriving young adult support community in Boston that we were doing in partnership with Dana-Farber, with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and with the wellness community. And and the SAM Fund, and that was when the 15 to 40 group was. There's like seven organizations in Boston. You know what it is, too? Um, Rich was someone who, as far as the Hope Foundation went, wanted very much to give give back and pay forward. And, and, I'll, and I'll talk to you a little bit about what, you know, he and I had talked about this restless energy that couldn't be destroyed that actually kind of is what fed the, the foundation. But in terms of reaching out for, I mean, Rich was is a, an incredibly family-oriented, um, tight-knit family person, and he got that support that in, that others, you know, sometimes reach out to a support group for or a public group for internally. And, and he would kind of like, he had this incredible respect for even some of the names of the people that are in the song that you just heard who are to this day, um, two of them who are thriving and are incredibly active in the cancer community, and, and they have made that their life. They've they're surviving, and part of their healing in that is making it their life's mission. Rich's thing was, you know, a lot of it he didn't want to remember. He didn't want to go through it over and over sure. again. So he was going to give back in his way, but, you know, in some instances, I'm not sure that he wasn't aware of some of the support that was out there. There is an incredible support community in Boston. I think some of it he just kind of, he really took from his, his family mostly. 
So talk, both of you, talk us through again specifically the foundation and what it does. Our, the mission statement is that it's dedicated to the care, compassion, and life enrichment of individuals and families impacted by leukemia. Um, going back to that night where we kind of watched that infomercial, and then we went through that um, that first fundraiser. Um, again, we didn't know what of those things was going to actually become our like signature kind of program or our mission. When it became evident that what Rich needed was a stem cell transplant or a bone marrow transplant, and when it became evident that people were coming out of the woodwork saying, "I heard you on the radio, and I want to get tested to make to save your life." Knowing what the statistics were, that that whether or not that would even be possible, and knowing that, listen, you know what, you think you know me because I've said these words on the radio to you to a million people who purchased it. That's giving you some sort of inspiration to go out and put yourself out there to save my life. I'm the same stranger to you as somebody who didn't have a song on the radio. So let's let's do something that's gonna put put you out there to save anybody's life. Rich couldn't do any of this work because he was busy getting well. And we talk about energy that comes through caregivers and, and people who love somebody that's going through something like this. You watch them, and it hurts you to watch them hurt. What can you do for them? Nothing. You know, like Cassie said, she and, and her brother Mike were not a match for him. So, you know, besides the regular family care, you've got all this pent-up energy, and, and you know, simple matter of physics energy can't be destroyed. So what are you going to do with it? You can sit there next to somebody in a hospital bed and, and cry or, you know, you could feel sorry for yourself for having to watch someone you love go through that. You could take that same energy and spin it, do something positive with it, and give it back and pay it forward or whatever you know catchphrase you want to use. And um, the day of our very first bone marrow drive that we did down in Plymouth, that um, Cassie actually set that up. It was a Red Cross blood drive and bone marrow drive. Uh, that was the day, Kathy, I think, that the phone call came that they had actually found the match that was um, was the one. I think it was 9 of 10 that um, was going to be the one to save his life. So so this has really been, so that bone marrow drive, get, in making people aware of this and what they can do, it sounds like it's really been a central theme of this organization. It's a central theme. Get as many people to register as possible. Try and influence communities where the registry is light, African-American, uh, you know, Native American, Asian communities. Um, because it doesn't matter where your ethnic background is. You could still be a match. I think people need to understand that. You can be a match. Your ethnic background directly impacts DNA. So, right. you know, it, the, the registry is flooded with Caucasians. Right. There are African Americans where the registry is so light, and that's why they're not getting matches. It's because if there's 20 million, you know, Caucasians and there's 3 million African Americans on the registry. Right. But I think yeah. this issue, I want to cut to the second song in a second, but... Um, the, uh, the this issue of destigmatizing what bone marrow is, and it, we go through this all the time. In fact, we're doing a show next season in January on cancer myths, and obviously discussing bone marrow, bone marrow transplants, and and saliva testing is clearly going to be part of that. You know, there are still people out there that think you can get catch cancer. You know, so yeah, we're, we're, we're working from way out in the Stone Age here. To get messages to well, spill down ja to the right people. they meet Jack and they think that. Right. Because you can catch other things. Awesome is not contagious yeah. either. <laughs> so this idea of destigmatizing what a bone marrow transplant is, what it entails, and how unbelievably like rare the odds are that you will actually be a match, which is sad, but that there's a low risk that is unsubstantiated to your fear. 
and that's what we come up against a lot. People are afraid, of course, they're going to be a match. But, you know, you get to help save somebody's life. Yeah. What's a little, give a little. I mean, we're living in a society where people can't deal with plant-based pretzel bags because they're too noisy, <laughs> okay? Let's, let's step back a little bit and look at who. People won't give, won't pour their pretzels into a bowl because they'd rather eat out of a noisy bag that they're going to complain about and then buy the non-biodegradable craft bag because it's quieter. You can't have the bowl in the movie theater, though, Matt. Right. <laughs> it, well, fair enough. But or you know, if you're not allowed to have snacks in the middle of the night, you need a bag that doesn't make any noise. Right, exactly. If you're cheating on your diet, you want a, a, a light-quality yeah. bag. Yeah. We get you, we, 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 we're right with you, Matt. We get your point. All right. So The, the whole marrow registration and donation process has changed so much, even over the past couple of uh, the past couple of years that Cassie and I have been involved in it you'll you'll notice now that the National Marrow Donor Program and Bone Marrow Donor you know one of the things that Rich hated was even you know being called bone marrow donation because the vast number of of stem cell transplants that happen in lieu of bone marrow transplants now you know you'd say bone marrow transplant and donation and it scares people and to this day they now the NMDP is actually calling themselves be the match they're they're changing that marketing right. yeah, yeah. on all of that because it's not it, it it happens people do donate bone marrow which is you know it is a a general anesthesia and what they would consider to be a small surgical procedure well, it's an outpatient procedure it's a legitimate outpatient procedure legitimate outpatient yeah um most people they're doing um, peripheral blood stem cell transplants, which in three or four hours, similar to sitting on like a dialysis machine for a couple of hours, will have their their stem cells amped up through a drug for a week prior to going in. Literally, they, uh, people. I, I actually know somebody through working with the foundation that is like the world super match. He actually donated stem cells twice to two different patients. So I think it's like the universal stem cell donor, I guess. But literally, you know, sit there with a DVD player in your lap and almost pain-free, have your blood drawn, the cells taken out and your blood given back, and you go home. Someone else gets to live. Well, let's let's play the second track. This track is called It Only Gets Better. This, I love this song. Which is a great song. I did yeah. listen. I actually did listen to these songs prior to it. It's a phenomenal song. And we're going to hear this. We're but it's bittersweet because it didn't get better for Rich. But at the same time, his legacy is trying to make sure that it gets better for other people. Let's actually, I just would, before we play it, Melissa, quickly just tell us how you found this song. The song was recorded in our studio in, in Kingston, Massachusetts, probably a year to 18 months prior to when he passed away, um, and was in the hard drive of the, the computer that our producer had, uh, Rich's producer, Joe Clapp. And after Rich passed away, day after, two days after, he sent me an email, and he said, I don't think you've ever heard this track, but I was going through some files, and I've been thinking about Rich a lot, and I thought you'd want to have this. And you know, it, it's kind of odd that there's something out there that was done and fully produced that I had actually never really heard before. And then, you know, hearing the message that you're going to hear from in, in what he was saying on there, um, I, I, I don't know where it came from in his mind and heart when he wrote it. I can speculate. Um, I think it's it's a, like a lot of the songs that he had written at that time, a story about his his life in a moment in time when he talks about through it some of the you know some of the bad things that he's been through, but but how, you know, somehow, and, and, and I think he, a lot of it is a reference to his music. He found such solace in that. That was his therapy. I mean, he, he was able to say anything and so cleverly and, and so brilliantly sometimes. Um, so whether this is, you know, chooses to be viewed as 
a message to his fans or a message to his family on another level or friends or, or anybody that's going through what he went through. Um, that's why I say it, it's bittersweet. It's hard to hear, but it was his message at that time. Well, uh, all right. Well, here we go. This is It Only Gets Better. Sitting on a cloud that I'm looking down. I want to tell the world that it only gets better. It only gets better. I'm sitting on a cloud and I'm looking down. Wish I could tell the world that it only gets better. It only gets better, yeah. Yeah, check my style for real. Still drop around without a record deal. I used to think I was meant to be on top, but they look the other way when the record flopped. I messed up due to much self pity. Became the biggest lush in the whole damn city. I was obsessed with this chase for wealth. Till the doctor said, Rich, it's about your health. Your blood's messed up, it don't look good. I couldn't stop time, but I wished I could. Let it all just fade away. Everything just starts to fade Every day like today Just one thing I like to say It only gets better I'm sitting on a cloud And I'm looking down I want to tell the world that it only gets better It only gets better I'm sitting on a cloud And I'm looking down I was a dead man walking down the green mile Forgot how to laugh, couldn't even fake a smile Pushing tears out my bloodshot eyes Cut myself with needles just to prove I'm alive I told myself that this can't be real I can't believe I'm feeling all these things I feel I need an out from this endless pain It really don't seem like it's meant to change But here I am, it's a brand new day Taking back everything they took away Come on Let it all just fade away Everything just starts to fade Every day like today Just one thing I like to say It only gets better I'm sitting on a cloud And I'm looking down I want to tell the world that it only gets better It only gets better I'm sitting on a cloud And I'm looking down I can tell the world that it only gets better, it only gets better, yeah. Now I know for sure there's got to be a better way. Living a better life, no stripes, and time is going to be a righteous. Breaking away, we're making a way. In fact, I see a better day. If I can tell the world, I'd only have one thing to say. We're going to be all right tonight, there's such a better place. It's not just breaking away, we're making a way. In fact, I see a better day. Sitting on a cloud. I'm looking down I want to tell the world That it only gets better It only gets better I'm sitting on a cloud And I'm looking down Wish I could tell the world That it only gets better It only gets better, yeah That is a great song It is one of those like Serendipitous mysteries of the universe That, that emerged From God knows where's hard drive somewhere bits and bytes crazy. <laughs> what do you, what were you thinking about right now as you listen to that song, Melissa? It's it's difficult because again, you know, like his music 
and his words are so multidimensional depending on what your view of him is as a person. You know, I'm sure Cassie's hearing some of that and she's thinking of specific examples that are unique and personal to her and her family. There's things that he's saying in there that are unique and personal to how I saw him as, you know, my, my partner, my one of my very best friends. And then there are other people out there who heard it streaming on Z100.com who are, you know, they know him as Rich Cronin from LFO um, and are, are probably looking at that differently. So um, that's why I, I say it's bittersweet. Is there, a, is there a, something specific also that comes for, to mind for you, Cassie, in hearing those lyrics? I... I believe Melissa sent it to me a day or two before the wake, mm-hmm. and I remember listening to it with my parents, and we all kind of took it as a message from him that he was okay. Yeah. And, that, and Melissa's right, like, everyone takes what they want from the song, and, you know, it was kind of more of a comforting thing for us to listen to. I, I still, to this day, Cassie, and I cannot confirm nor deny this, but uh, literally have have said and. You know, I often wonder if Joe had that and he had given it to Joe and said, you know what, something happens, let them have this. I don't know. I, I kind of find it difficult to believe that none of us ever heard it, but that could also be, you know, coincidence come, peeking through and what I what I want, what message I want to get from it. But I'm with Cassie. I, I think he's all right. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, but this has been... No. <laughs> no. No. This has been an extraordinary show, and I'm really glad... That we finally got to put it together, that all the pieces came together, and we could really honor Rich and his unacceptable loss. That's all I can call it, just yeah. unacceptable loss. But it it helps others at the same time. It raises more awareness that people his age can and do get cancer, even rare diseases that typically happen in geriatrics, that we are not an exclusionary population. We deserve better and that this is a call to action for people out there to realize that the young adult movement needs their help. And supporting organizations like the Rich Cronin Foundation... Who pay it forward. Who pay it forward. Mm -hmm. That's what this is really... That's what the whole point of this broadcast is, to let hundreds of thousands of people know every week that this is what's going on in the world, for better or for worse, to inspire people, and to keep it real. And you can save lives, and it doesn't take that much time, energy out of your life. Yeah, it's... I congratulate both of you for really honoring Rich's memory and for doing everything possible to ensure that his his legacy lives on. And that, that, again, along the lines of our mission, that no one goes unaware of the support they have to them that they're entitled to. And to your point at the beginning of the show, not only unaware, but can take action yes. and can take steps. Exactly. Stem cells and many other ways that we specifically address with the Rich Cronin Foundation tonight. But. So what's your website? What website can people go to, or what do you recommend people do if they want to get involved and, and become a, a bone marrow donor? And Jack donor? will put that in the chat room right now. We are we are rebuilding the website right now. You can go to, um, if you search us in Facebook, at Rich Cronin Hope Foundation is where you'll find events and news about what's going on immediately. Um, anybody interested in making a donation? Kind of like a, a long thing, but it's uh, active.com backslash RCHF backslash donate. And then I think it's uh, RCHF 2006. Awesome. So um, I'm putting the link the, to the Facebook page in the chat. Yep. And, and the, uh, the donation links are can, on there. Yeah, everything, all the other links are on there. So 
Well, I really want to thank you guys for taking the time, Melissa, especially to come here in person. We really appreciate it. Thank you and for having to, us. And Cassie for calling in. It's an honor to know you guys. It's good to be on each other's radar, and I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank okay, you, guys. Thank, thank you. you so much. Melissa Holland and Cassie Cronin, our guests tonight on the Stupid Cancer Show. Some great music, some great stories, um, just all around good stuff. So uh, before we wrap, I did want to just mention to all of our listeners out there that we are doing our end-of-year holiday appeal, and uh, we only do this once a year. We promise not to annoy you any other time of the year except now. But we are trying to raise some money, uh, and your tax-deductible year-end donations will go very far to help us continue this broadcast. We are listener-driven, listener-sponsored. Well, they'll at least go towards $18 chili occasionally. Well, mm, that, I paid out of <laughs> that pocket for that. No, it won't. I remember because Kenny and I sat in our hands, and Matt reached into his wallet and pulled out his JetBlue American Express card. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I know. I know you paid It was a great night. So the, uh, if you, if you, you, know, you don't have to give to, uh, to just us, but we'd like to be considered, if you're considering giving this holiday season, please visit give.stupidcancer.com. That's give dot stupidcancer.com five dollars ten dollars twenty dollars whatever you can give we really appreciate it and uh you are helping us ensure that young adults like rich cronin their voice is heard their memory is honored and their stories are told and that we will continue doing our thing growing the radio show hosting our international conference doing our boot camps and being the number one organization in this country for the next generation and of that, cancer survivors. And that's it, in all seriousness. It is not going towards $18 chili, which does come out of No, it does fun. not support it, $18 it, uh, chili. It keeps our radio show on the air, to, as Matt said, and keeps the boot camps going and the young gala and all the events. And expanding our chapters that everyone loves. And ex- expanding our chapters. We want to start a chapter in Toronto. We want to start a chapter in Detroit. We want to start a chapter, and we just started one in Minneapolis. We're here to help. We need your help to make that happen. To provide all the resources we can for everybody out there, caregivers, survivors yep. alike. All right, and with that, it is now time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. <laughs> That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show, our 163rd broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Kaylee Mordaunt, Melissa Holland, and Cassandra Cronin, and our live in studio guests, Melanie Richmond, Matthew Cresilius, Kenny Kane, Aaron Eloise, Nicole Kelly, and Tony Lilly. Is that everyone? That is everyone. That's everyone. And on next week's show, please join us on Monday, December 13th for Comedy Cures with Maddie Goldberg, a young adult survivor of brain cancer. He's an actor, comedian, and activist. Saran. Am I saying that right, Matt? Saran. I'm sorry. Saran. As in rap. Yes. Spoke a little differently, but Saran Rothberg, who's a young adult survivor of breast cancer and the founder of Comedy Cures. What's that? You'll have to tune in to find out. And say it ain't so in our Survivor Spotlight, Mark Kwan, an I2Y intern here at the office. We love him. He's a young adult survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Remember, folks, if you missed any of our past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast and download them all for free at itunes.i2y.com. Check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. And remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here live from the chemo deck. Jack Buffard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stubing, and I... Wish you all a great week. Go ahead, Bill Burr.